So the um, <clears throat> perspective of of insight and vipassana is that uh, really we, we the experience ongoing experiences is of factors and causes and conditions. It's not an underlying entity, primal cause, fundamental essence, Buddha nature, ultimate self, ultimate truth, or ultimate hell. <laughs> it's just causes and conditions coming into being. Yeah. And uh, if we can understand these, we can do two things. One is we can start to, you know, put together the skillful conditions and causes that make us feel comfortable and happy and relaxed in ourselves. And uh, the second is that we can begin to really um, release all these causes so there's the, an opening to the deathless. And the two programs run together because it's not until the mind is calm and comfortable that you can really have enough clarity, enough confidence. You know, it's not that you have it, it isn't there to really do this letting go. And so that, that um, letting go is something described as turning the mind to the deathless element. Is had enough of this stuff, had enough of causes and conditions, turning the mind to the deathless element. Well, what, how do you do that, you know? Well, I think it really means you have to have really leveled out and understood and made causes and conditions to the point when you've had enough of them, you've done it, you know, you've kind of, that's sorted. So this is often equated with samadhi, where the mind is calm, comfortable, firm, full of skillful causes and conditions. So it is dependent upon these skillful causes and conditions. <clears throat> and turning the mind to the deathless element. Now we might say it's just turning away from the death bound. Losing one's interest in it, losing one's preoccupation with it, losing one's hope about it. Sometimes it can be almost like a feeling of giving up hope. That's rather negative. So, so giving up the expectation, not getting tensed up about not frightened of causes and conditions, not angry about them. You know, the various ways in which we get clutching onto moods, feelings, perceptions, impressions, sankharas of various kinds. And often this clutching onto them is in order to find a sense of security or comfort or steadiness or happiness in the condition. This is a reflex so, again, you know, nothing new, but the idea is to get the causes and conditions comfortable enough so that, that reflex, which is almost like a gut reflex, can start to soften and relax. This is an ongoing thing, isn't it? As we practice, we probably fail, we find that degrees of feeling, oh, this is nice, this is good, yeah, great, and then, oh, if you don't feel so good, a bit flummoxed, caught, lost. You know, new stuff starts coming up, energies shift. We come into areas of our mind, of our karmic inheritance that we are not comfortable with. Things that have been unattended to. And suddenly you feel a bit rattled by it all. 
by the emptiness or the the aloneness or the things not going the way I feel they should do, including myself. You know, feel loss of firm ground, and then the tightening up occurs, spinning, looking for something to hold on to. <clears throat> So the uh, you know the the one remedy. I mean, there, there are various ways in which we can we can uh, practice with that in terms of our actions, our relationships, and so forth. But uh, the root of it is through mind cultivation. through opening beyond a normal mental focus, a normal mental environment. And most, when you have this uh, uh, strong self-view, which uh, we, we have, we beginners, Aryans, not Aryans, then that's generally located, it means you've got a set of things that you've become, that you are. You know, there's a certain area that you, you're very familiar with. It can be, you know, how to be with people. You know how to do a good job. You can think straight. You can study. You can work. You're with people you know. So all that gives you a sense of you're okay. You're in this thing. You've got stuff outside that sort of tells you who you are, what you're doing, and you're okay with that. And you've got stuff inside. Your ability to, you know, often perform in some way. That's the big thing for um, many people I guess in the West, the ability to do a job, get things done sort things out so that really becomes where the programs and the karma that you normally create become your apparent self, your personal entity your personal identity and naturally that's where we feel good gifted, okay and we flow along with that we want to go there more often because that's where we, we're feeling solid. Now, when you start to do the, the this retreats and the holy life, you can't go there so often. You know, it's suddenly it's silent. There's not so many things to do. Your personal relationships have suddenly become rather more distant functions. Mm-hmm. And your inner stuff, when I mean, you're not thinking, planning, working things out, then that part of your mind isn't really giving you the, the feel-good factors. This is because this part of your mind, we might say, is only up in your head. And the other parts of your mind, one is in, in your heart, one's in your belly, figuratively speaking. You know. Heart sense gives you the sense of how you are with things how you feel with things, how you are in relationship to your body, your mind, your fears, your joys, when you can calm them, when you can open to them, when you can trust them, when you feel comfortable with your joys, your happiness, your fears, your anger. Can you be with those skillfully? This is a function of heart, not of thought.
we think about our joys and fears and angers and so forth, for that just, you know, produces more stuff to speculate around. The heart senses, whatever it is, good, bad, can you be with that in a way that's skillful, calming, spacious, what's needed in terms of response? Fundamental response is compassion and kindness, but, you know, sometimes being kind is just holding it steady, sometimes it's soothing it, sometimes it's directly challenging it, what's needed. If your kid's wandering across the road, do you stand on the, on the curb gently asking him to come back, or do you rush in, grab him by the scruff of his neck and drag him out? You know, sometimes you just got to do that to your mind, just grab hold of it and say, drag it out. Don't go there. Yeah. So, but that's still, it's the aim is for, is, is, is kind, is compassionate. Yeah. This is the inner cultivation. And we're doing this, whether, whatever where meditation technique is, it's really, there are, it's not so much the techniques, though you can work on those, but it's also this way of training the mind. Relating to it. And the other aspect of your mind is really a sense of just being present, much more bodily sense, gut sense, a sense of, I don't know what I am, but here I am. Here it is. This is difficult to define, but you feel it. And it's, the, it's become stronger the more that your samadhi increases. You get this sense of a kind of a quiet, steady, firm power building up. And it, it grounds everything. And it tends to, to to take the energy out of the head. So your, your thinking calms down, your emotions feel relaxed because there's something else holding you than just your willpower or your ideas or speculations or the continual tinkering that you have to do to keep things on course. This is certainly my opinion benefit of this uh, mindfulness of the body and uh, samadhi. Because then there's less to have to keep fiddling with and dealing with. It's the simplicity. Now in terms of working with the mind, relating to the mind, because the mind is not one thing but a whole range of different events and experiences and responses you can't just be a a one-trick pony you know that is just only have one thing that you do and the buddha said well you know for example you might have look at a list and i think it's in the book of the sixes and gudrun book of the sixes and uh yeah i can remember it (laughs) knows the time to exert the mind knows the time to restrain the mind, knows the time to gladden the mind, knows the time to um, rest the mind. Does not proliferate delights in Nibbana. 
So we might say exerting the mind, really putting some energy into it, restraining it, checking it, holding it back. Hmm? Encouraging it. Come on, you know, okay. Just take another step, another step forward. It's okay, it won't kill you. Another minute. It won't kill you, come on. Yeah, you can do it. You can let go of that. Other people have done it. You can let go of it. Ask yourself, you know, will it kill you or not? Probably not. And if it does, you're going to die anyway, so why not get it over with? You know, why Why hold on in fear? Why not just say, okay. You know, encouraging it. Come on. Another step. Just pull yourself up. This walking meditation. It's cold, bored. Come on. Your body's not bored. Your mind's not cold. Together they can work something out. <laughs> Resting the mind. Just resting the mind by knowing this is the mind. This is just what's flowing through right now. Don't make anything out of it. Just keep withdrawing emotional engagement. Withdrawing and does not proliferate. Nipa pancha. Um, means does not... Uh, spin out in terms of self, others, past, future, the world, anything. does not spin out into those topics. Instead, Papancha delights in Nibbana, Nibbana, the, the blowing out. This, in fact, is another term for the deathless element, isn't it? The sense of you Nibbana. Nibbana is a verb. You do it or you, you, it does, it happens. It nibbans, it, it blows out, it cools down, it releases, and it releases the, that's the movement, if you like, to the deathless element, is that the, <laughs> the blowing out of volition, of this twitchy sankara energy, of this pushy sankara energy, this reluctant sankara energy, just the, the, the finishing. So this is peaceful, the resting of all, the cessation of all sankaras the elimination of the substrate, the the basic um, clinging element, you might say. Found the, the assumption that there's something to be clung to, something needs to be held, um, you know, which is not an intellectual assumption, it's a gut reflex. Hold on. As you might say, it's a thing that's there, that's to uh, preservation instinct. And yeah, and this gets translated into not just physical terms but psychological terms. We hold ourselves. We hold ourselves when we're other people. We don't want to make a mistake. We don't look like a fool. We don't, we don't want to be mocked, laughed at, seen as an idiot, blamed, brutalized, abused, gossiped about, which are all things that people can do. So we kind of hold ourselves. Like, Okay. Better not get it wrong. Yeah. There's that, that sense of the basic, you know, fear of loss of something, some sense of self.
So this is a, a challenge. The anxiety, or the resentment that one can't be what one wants to be, or feeling one isn't understood or liked. You know, it's all around self and other, isn't it? Relational sense. Or in your meditation, feeling you're about to be overwhelmed by something or the other. And of course, it happens. You know, we do get overwhelmed with passions and views and so forth. And we do get gossiped about and sniped at by other people. <laughs> But you know, <laughs> are you going to spend the rest of your life trying to build up the armour that stops it happening? Go around, you know, when you live in these communities, are you going to go around kind of appeasing everyone, make sure everything's all right, or just do what you can do to be, do the best you can so you feel you're free from personal regret, what you're doing, you're open to advice or admonishment. And less of it just, it's the way it goes, you know. Not going to, you know, tighten up my guts trying to defend myself. The more public you get, the more it happens, praise and blame. Getting shot at and uh, lifted up and thrown down. So get over it, you know. Never was, never will be somebody who wasn't blamed. But, um, you know, you go, it's, this is an intellectual decision. It's just learning to deal with that reflex of hold, holding yourself. And this is, a, and then the proliferations around that. So, papancha is three qualities tanha, or craving, the craving for security, for steadiness, for comfort, for okayness in the conditioned realm. Mana, the sense of conceit, this is what I am, view myself. Or the other way around, view, this is what I am, the conceit, this is myself. So it's this kind of actions, isn't it? And they spin around. They choose different things to, to crystallize around. So you, you see what happens, and he says, well, okay, you know, I'll summon error so-and-so to give a Dhamma talk. Oh, I don't know, I can't do that. You know, the fear, one of the big fears of fears of suddenly being in public without your, your set piece. you just got to say something in public, you know, up on a high seat. This is a renowned, um, what they call Toraman, torture. <laughs> just to push through some of these these places where we where our guts start to seize up and you know, we freeze, and so often it's what happens. You see it, then basically you freeze up. You know, splutter, gurgle, splutter, say a few things, realize it's not going very well, or try and find a way out of it. You know, ramble on for a little while, then get off the seat as quick as you can. Everybody just sits there going, well, okay. as a little laugh. End end of the story. And it's often going through these 
these fear places and realizing the world doesn't end and you don't get trashed and life continues oh well you start to you start to roll rather than with with the downs rather than tense up about you just learn how to roll with the flows the the blame the praise the failures and it's okay get on with it you know flow on and it's a kind of gut learning and this gut learning really helps this this lower sense this present sense to open up helps the heart sense you start to get more steady and compassionate about yourself you don't have to be perfect you learn how to the most important thing is to be to deal with or to relate to the the defilements and the imperfections and the disease and the sickness and the irritation and then letting go of this clench of self of I am I should be what other people think of me what I might be and something your belly starts to open up you do feel your diaphragm softens you just give up you know (laughs) relinquish But the papancha or this proliferation is often that that uh, series of emotionally driven reflexes that that checks this process. We find ourselves clawing out of the out of letting go. There's an ability. There's a possibility of suddenly you know, dropping into the unknown, and we don't like that. So we scramble into past, future, myself, other strategies, and so forth. Sometimes even just sitting in meditation, that sense there's nothing much to do, and oh, you know, start rebuilding the monastery in my head, planning my next year's tudor, worrying about whether I can learn the Patimoka or not, wondering if they're going to make me some sangha officer, the responsibility. Oh, God. Worrying about the next dhamma talk if you get asked to give a talk. Mm-hmm. So you're kind of strategizing the future. This is papancha. It's the kind of reflex against emptiness, having no future, no self, no present, no, no, you know, nothing holding one together. It's what self, this self view is about. It does hold us together in a way, but it's a holding us together in a very constricted and ineffective way sooner or later something comes up where our personality bubble gets popped friends die lose your job get sick bock and it's going through that is the learning process isn't it you realize you know it ends but you that your presence doesn't end your emotions get shocked, knocked around, but presence doesn't end. You've got something there that can hold it when the world ends. It's dropping to that, I see this fundamental gut sense being present. You know, 
Then it's from this, uh, so this when, when there is this presence, this sense of presence, which I personally equate with, you know, samadhi or the, this kind of strong, thoughtless foundation. Doesn't mean the other, other bits of your mind disappear, but they're integrated. There can be thinking, skillful thinking, or generally an emotional sense of warmth or comfort or well-being, and this very grounded sense. And within that insight or samadhi, within that samadhi, some kind of insight into this is just causes and conditions anyway. What's what's to do with this? And you know, there's no technique for that. There's just a kind of a what they call nibbida, which means you've really had enough of this or of consciousness having another thing, another perception going, so what? Mm-hmm. And it's, a, it's turning away. One delights in the turning away, in the non-making. Now at least one could recognize the papancha and, not, and refrain from delighting in it. So our training is very much in that sense, isn't it? You don't have to have it all figured. We don't delight in the proliferations of what could and should and projects and things like this. You know, you get had enough of them after a while, delighting them at first, but <laughs> you know, more the sense of the, the, the creative sense is much more held in terms of one's responsibilities. So you can be creative within you can bring that skillful karma agent the creative agent into how do I handle being a nun how do I handle being a monk how do I handle looking after my fellow summoners how do I handle senior junior these kind of things how do I with lay people how's my responsibility so you channel into that you can get joy from that Wasn't so. Though this is something I had no personal inclination for. My earlier years, I was sort of like just to be on, like go into my head, like to sit and read things, play with ideas, and uh, so you know. Then, particularly at, at um, these early days in, in England, and a lot of it is around just don't have time for that. I started to just basically give it up because I could see how how tacky, how kind of, you know, proliferative it was. This is an never-ending source of it. It wasn't getting anywhere. On to the next source of delight. So just taking time to, 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 to start to learn to be with people. And certainly in the early days of these monasteries, there was plenty of opportunities for that. We were always building things, making things. And then we started Amrawadi, which was large, largest community, lots of people. And I was doing all kinds of things. Stores and guests and teaching and publications and 
train, therefore helping to set up the nuns' training. So I was doing about five or six different jobs for the sangha, and it was first of all it was just kind of just tiring, but then eventually someone just let go into it. Just let go into it. I remember Ajahn Sumedha very kindly said, because oh, I've been doing this for a few years, he said, would you like to, you know, go somewhere else and have a quiet time? And I said, no, I like it. I like it. I like just giving myself. You know? It was nice. It was joyful. Because it was that real sense of letting go of this tightness of myself, of trying to get, you know, that... that Should I be? Should I do? Should I make? How should I do this? Am I getting it right? I mean, just do it. Learn. Stop judging yourself. Just get on with it. And not think about the future, the oneself, whether it's right, wrong, good, bad. But really start to look at factors as they arise. Learn. It's it's a kind of pathless way, but as long as you keep this sense of not just running on one course, but know there's time for exerting, time for restraining, time for encouraging, gladdening the mind, time for resting the mind, time for inquiry. Let's go and play it. You can learn all of these actually in, you know, right there. All those skills come back into uh, mindfulness of breathing. Gladdening and encouraging is a, is a skill to learn. So I was saying to the lay people the other day, you have the animal and a bell. Whenever you do a good deed, there's some kind of ringing of recognition. So every time, you know, you recognize every time you're just keeping the precepts, recognizing that, recognizing going through a day, recognizing getting up, getting to the puja on time. If you're coming from the forest in the morning, that's actually it's no mean achievement. You know, in this kind of weather, getting up at 3, 3.30 and getting through the cold and dark to sit here. You know, and I'm all done well done. Can you take joy in the, in that that courage and that effort? So many things, you know, looking after the bowls, looking after you. One of the beauties of these re- responsibilities is some of them are relatively simple, and you look after the, the. That's the standard, the core. What is the simple things? Obviously, there are complex things, but the basis is the simple things like setting the cushions out, preparing the bowls, doing the chanting, maintaining speech restraint in the house, wearing the robes in the correct way. Just, just doing that with a sense of quiet joy and the mordana, because something in our mind doesn't want to bother, wants to rush, wants to natter, wants to skip, wants to overlook. Or the other hand, we get really compulsive and tense about it all and want to iron out every crinkle in the, you know, <laughs> in the universe. So just, you know, finding the good, attuning to the good, and you're bringing this into the mind. Quality.
But it isn't self. It's not like this is shows what a great guy I am. It's more like recognizing the skillful factors when they arise. Yeah. or the absence of the negative ones, or the negative ones lasting less long than they used to. When we enter into strange territory in our minds and with other people, we often feel tense and nervous. How long does it take? You know, maybe it was a week, now it's a day. Maybe it was an hour, now it's a few minutes. Before, oh well, you know where to do with that, you know what to do with that frustration or confusion you know, just drop it through your belly you're always bigger than all of this stuff your presence is always bigger than your performance and uh, for most people the sad thing is that their sense of presence is so connected to their performance so it becomes contracted but your sense of presence is always going to be bigger than your ability to make, do, figure, think, achieve, accomplish, get on with, be okay with, understand. It's always going to be bigger than that because this performance bit is only one little bit of your mental, of your chitta capacity. Isn't it? You know, the number of languages I can't speak is about like 90%, 95% maybe 99% of what I can manage. So as I sort of go to another, I'm pretty good in English, go to another country and I'm kind of a complete dithering fool. I don't like that. I feel uncomfortable, I feel awkward. I feel, you know, need to show I'm okay by being able to say the right things to the right people. Come up with something intelligent, clear, helpful. Can't do it. Go to Thailand, I say something like, you know, can I have some sugar? They look at me and start laughing. It doesn't make sense. My accent's all wrong. So there you are, you know. Big shot Ajahn, who can't even ask for some sugar for his coffee. <laughs> you know, doesn't know all the little protocols and things. I think, Great, this is really good for me. You know, just feel that nervousness that feeling small and then just just get over it you know <laughs> nobody's blaming you so when we start to you know you can also look at this more with your wisdom faculty think about it okay you know people do blame you but notice how many times you can carry that perception is probably you know 20 times more than it actually happens not blaming what you can feel blamed as a, as a way of life you feel like a blot a kind of basic impurity a defilement a hindrance to the sangha as a, as a basic statement of your identity when actually well yeah you were a bit of a nuisance that day and yeah that wasn't so good but it's very you know look at these things specifically as errors and transgressions and where did that go wrong or maybe we, did, we need to talk about that so it's not, you know, we're not trying to put lipstick on or make ourselves look better, but just to recognize you don't want these, 
you know, finite, specific, temporary delusions and defects to become perpunctured, proliferated into identities. This is what I am. Sometimes, you know, being junior is not so, you know, I'm junior to somebody, everybody's junior to somebody and senior to somebody else. Gompo down at the end of the line doesn't really care. Get some food and blanket. <laughs> he doesn't care. Because <laughs> it's not up to anybody else to know who you are. It's up to you to forget who you are. <laughs> and just be what you do. Be what you can do. And be the knowing of that. And this is uh, where we start to curtail. We don't delight. We don't look for papancha to support us. We recognize it's just going to be a burden and a complexity. And the mind starts to unravel, unravel its strategies, and we get a sense of trust, faith. It's okay. You know, we're moving on. It's okay. Sooner or later, death will come. It's okay. Pain will come. So you've been there. It's okay. Blame will come. Okay, you've been there. It's going to happen. Okay. Know what it feels like. How you can get the hit of that and just breathe it out. Drop it. This is, uh, and this is why the whole system has to open up, come out of the head, start to learn how to be with, you know, relate to what occurs in a spacious and supportive way. That becomes steadier, get the sense of what's there all the time, okay, the sense of presence of this happens, you know, this happens. You, know, you might say basic consciousness. And then finally, you know, this sense of there's nothing more in the script than we've read already. There's no more events in the soap opera than we've already had. Enough of this. Enough of making something out of it. And it's been deconstruct. You don't actually have to deconstruct it because it does deconstruct when there isn't that reflex compulsion to keep putting energy into it this is the turning turning point 